listening to First Church Charlotte. We are reading in Mark chapter number 10, and we are going to read at verse number 28. If you'd like to stand with me one more time, because I know you're tired of sitting already, being a person of great athletic ability and energy. Bible says, speak those things that are not as though they are. And so we're in Mark 10, verse number 28. Real quickly, remember the rich young ruler uh, has come and asked what must he do for eternal life. They have a little discussion about money. He's supposed to give it all to the poor and then come and follow Jesus. And it seems to be an invitation to a quite high level of discipleship within the, it almost seems as though it's an invitation to discipleship itself. And one of the, perhaps one of those inner, maybe not the 12, but the 70. And he, of course, goes away sorrowful. And the Bible tells us that the disciples, they weren't just uh, surprised. They, they were astonished. It's rare, remember, uh, to have verbs of emotion, to have a really strong emotion verb in the Bible. What's more rare is when you have an adjective alongside a verb of emotion. The Bible says they were greatly astonished. And then Peter uh Jesus says to them, <clears throat> with man is it impossible for a rich man to make it into heaven, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Now, Peter says this to him, <clears throat> see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and for the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. Somebody say a hundredfold. A hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Last week I talked about, uh, let's talk about money was my title. And this week I'm going to call it, let's talk about value. Last week was let's talk about money. This week is let's talk about value. Somebody say in Jesus name, God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Ed, I hear the baptistry running. Uh, let's not forget that. And then I'm baptized as I preach. And so that would make great video though, wouldn't it? So we're talking about questions of value. Uh, obviously, there is a difference between uh, money and value. People take their money and spend it on things that to you have essentially little or no value. There are whole sub-communities of collectors who know about some random doll that was produced at some random time by some random company, and they will spend hard-earned money. Uh, these aren't necessarily rich people. They are spending of their livelihood for this particular doll. And if you were to talk to them about it, they will explain, well, there was only 30,000 or 3,000 or three dolls with the pink apron, and they'll know the history of it. And Elvis Presley once had a copy of this doll sent to a neighbor's daughter. You, you, you know how this works. To you, it has not much value whatsoever, but to that collector, this represents something of, of high value to them. It gives them a certain pleasure, fun, enjoyment. Uh, you, you understand what I mean? 
mean? All of us answer this question every day with our decisions. What do we value? Uh, One philosopher said, I don't need you to tell me what your values are. Just show me your bank account and show me your schedule and I'll tell you what your values are. Kind of a heavy thought, right? Uh, We, if we're not careful, can have kind of speech mode of we care about this, we care about that. But the Bible tells us, first of all, uh, our money reveals our heart, where your treasures are. That's where your heart is. Yes, you ladies, if you'd like to elbow with your husband and say, why haven't you bought me anything lately? This would be a perfect opportunity for that. Lucky for me, I'm a long way away. Uh, Where your money is, it reflects values in your life. Yes, more important than money. What is the most important thing you have? Time. You can make more money. You can't make more time. And so to give your time is a gift of your greatest possession. And so I always think of that on uh, uh, Bible study night and sometimes on Sundays. And I think about how, for some of you, it was difficult to get here tonight, but you're here. For some of you, you got off late. Nothing worked out right. Some of you haven't even eaten dinner yet. It's not just me and my wife. You just haven't even eaten dinner yet. Uh, it just that didn't the schedule didn't allow you grabbed and ran or you planned to get something on the way home. But you are here tonight. You made time. The weather bade you stay at home with your feet propped up. Yes. Um, your day encouraged you to go home and either feel sorry for yourself or suck your thumb. But here you are. You have with your life, you have established value. I value time studying the word of the Lord. I value, I will make the effort. Now, if you did not do that, it wouldn't matter so much if you talked a lot about how much you valued the word of the Lord. Now, as a parent, and to all you parents, this is a great reminder to all of us. uh, We often offer lectures to our children hoping that's what they remember. But what they really remember is the actions that we offer to our children. That You understand? In other words, I can talk about church, talk about church, talk about church, but, um, you know, if I miss every time it's a little bit of a hassle, then I have done a poor job of giving them the lesson of action. I've only given them the forgettable lecture of words. And so I want to say to all of you who took that time, made that effort this week, I first of all want to say thank you. Uh, It's a great thing. Um, I appreciate it. It makes our church better. It makes the family, the uh, interconnected relationships of the church stronger. Um, Some of you feel guilty when you come in late. And if I see you, you immediately will get guilty body language. Isn't that right, sister? Guilty body language. I look over and she's walking in guilty body language. I look back, I caught Don walking in guilty body language. The moment they what used to get, but I, I want you to think maybe I see it differently and I see it like you fought to get here. You could have been at home. You could have slipped out, but you fought to get here. So I don't want you to have guilty body language unless you were lazy and you came in because you couldn't turn off your dumb Netflix, okay? Then I want you to crawl on hand and knee down the front. And when you get down front, I want you to pitch yourself out to where you nearly bang your forehead on the the platform and then scream, woe is me, okay? 
But all of you who fought to get here, it wasn't easy. Some of you came straight from work because you're a volunteer. Uh, We start receiving kids next door, literally at 6.15, we're receiving kids. Um, I get here between 6.15 and 6.30, and we've already, I've already missed 15, 20 parents. Uh, So we are, we, you, you are making the time. I want you to say, I want you to see that is a greater commitment. Given your time is the most valuable thing you can give. It is a gift, first of all, to your soul. Can I have an amen? It is a gift to your network of influence, your children, your friends, and the church that depends upon the the interknitted relationships. A church can open itself to you, and our church does as good a job, I think, as I have ever seen, of opening itself its arms to you. We we literally open our arms to you. Um, I I have a special class that I, I after the uh, the eleven a.m. service. I don't want to be there in my flesh. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Why? Because if we don't make the effort to open our arms, then how will we say maybe we'll catch them later? Do you see what I'm saying? We have people that stay for that class when it first start, got started. Jeremy um, and um, I'm sorry I forgot got your name, uh, uh, Megan. <laughs> it's all right. Good thing for me, you're easily offended. Um, Jeremy and Megan, they, they, this was before they had 1,700 children. And um, they, 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 would, they stayed of their own accord. No one asked them to stay. There'd just be one or two people there. They would stay and eat free food. That was a big deal. But besides that, um, they had a heart for new people, and 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 that switched. And then I had uh, I had a, a a couple. They've they've moved back to New York. Uh, Daniel and I'm trying to think of his wife's name. I'm having another mental block. Uh, Emily, yeah, they would stay, and 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 Michelle stays, and a lot of times takes care of kids if we don't have volunteers. And and now almost every every Sunday, Don and Anthony stay. I've never asked any of these people to stay and help me love new people. I've never asked a single time. I've never said, uh, Don, Anthony, please stay. I'm lonely by myself. I'm insecure. There may not be anybody there. And so the point I want you to see is our church has done everything we can to open our arms to people. But the flip side of that is people have to open their arms to the church. And that is what allows these inter- woven relationships of friendship and and relationship and you're my brother you're my sister and when you hurt I hurt and when you dance I dance it's that it's that that blending and so the takes time to get that it's it's a great commitment so time and wallet shows value I value the church the church is worth uh bestirring myself that's a fine King Jamesian word for all of you guys out there it's worth getting off the couch for it's worth showing up early for it's worth volunteering for I value the church can I have an amen the church is worth some extra effort the church is worth a little bit more study for me. It's worth me trying to find a, a human example when I just get up here and blah, blah, blah you. It, it is worth it. And the only way that the church can have that, that true feel of a, a family, a body fitly joined together is when people show up who value it. There's no shortage of churches who there's filled with people who kind of value the church. I'm thankful, thank, thankful to be a part of a church where people show up and they value the church. So thank you for that. 
value is not money. Uh, you spend your money differently than I do. That's one reason why we should be very cautious critiquing each other on terms of finances. Um, everybody spends their money differently. Some of you guys will drive a junker's car, but you have some hobby nobody knows about, and you blow money on that, and you don't care about your car. Some people like a nice car, but they don't blow money on something else. Uh, some people spend all their money on cameras, like these people over here. <laughs> uh, other people, uh, you get the idea, uh, other people spend their money differently. We, all of us, trade money for perceived value. Sometimes we get that right, and when we look back at our life, we're like, yeah, I, I, I agree with the year. But let me tell you a really bad feeling. When you get to the end of the year, you look at your finances, you're not doing good, and you don't like the way you've spent your money. You don't like what you got in return for it. You don't like the fact that you're $4,000 on your credit card in debt and that vacation was a big waste of time. And so you get into these value conundrums. We are all of us always answering the question of value. The flesh, the flesh almost always has a bad um, tendency. It almost, it, it, it's non-intuitive. It will, your flesh will convince you to waste money that when you look back will make you feel like the joke is on you. The flesh, there is no, this is the Bible, there is no end to wanting you can have a mega yacht, a mega house, multiple mega yachts and multiple mega houses. There is no end to wanting. Uh, I was reading today a yet another, uh, I didn't read the study, I didn't have time, but I, I saw it in the news, yet another study all out on the relationship between money and happiness. Money matters a lot in the beginning. If you can't pay your bills, you are very unhappy. But once you can pay up, to, once you can take care of your basic kind of your life is organized, after that, every extra dollar has a diminishing quality in your life. And, um, and one of the commenters on the news story um, is, a, is a money manager, and he was talking about how many, um, he's in Silicon Valley, and he talked about how many billionaires that he knew. And his point was, this is so true. Uh, they're driven for the second you know, so many million, but it doesn't change much. It's just a contest. It's just a measuring stick. It does not produce happiness. And so my point is not that money is bad or that you should, you know, give all your money to Pastor Nate, although you probably should think about that. Uh, <laughs> um, my point is our flesh will always give us bad decisions. Our flesh needs some discipline, some soulful discipline upon it to say that doesn't matter so much and that doesn't matter so much, but now this matters. And that is what this issue is really about. Um, difference in money and value. So this rich young ruler has come to the Lord just real quick so we're on the same page. What must I do for eternal life? The Lord asks him, well, the first thing is, why are you calling me good? There's only one who is good. Um, uh, what, if, what, if you, what do you think of the commandments? Have you kept them? The man speaks off the commandments. Yes, from a young age I have kept them. And the Lord says, one thing thou lackest. Uh, go have, uh, take these goods you have, sell them, give to the poor. The man goes away sorrowful because that was a bridge too far. He could not imagine a future version of himself that would be happier with less. Do you see? He only could imagine a future 
version of himself that had what he had in order for him to have happiness. Now, this is a man who may know many things about the law, but he doesn't know much about the soul. Because what Christ has invited him to, what he does not perceive, what Christ really has invited him to is the essence of eternal life. Let me say that again. What the Lord has invited him to is truly the essence of eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. And what am I talking about when I say the essence of eternal life? So let's talk about one who is eternal. Okay? Let's talk about High and holy, great and mighty, glorious and powerful. The one who says, let there be, and boom, there went Andromeda galaxy. The one who said, let there be, and there goes Saturn out like a Frisbee. The the Lord, um, I just, you know, I, um, there are, just so you know, there are uh, asteroids that are not even in the asteroid belt, which is between Mars and, uh, what's the next one, Saturn? Uh, is it Jupiter that's next or Saturn? Yeah, it's Jupiter. Yeah, I, like I said, Jupiter. Uh, so in the asteroid belt, there's obviously asteroids that are worth a lot. Um, they say the first trillionaire in American history will be somebody who lassos as a company uh, and lassos one of these uh, asteroids that are near, there's like 30,000 that are fairly near Earth. And the value of the those uh, asteroids, a random asteroid at, at that location, just with, with water on it, could, could be worth the, the hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, if it had any type of metallic, it would have, just in the value of nickel ore, just in the value of gold, if it was created at any high pressure, it could be a solid diamond a kilometer long. Um, this is just not a big deal in space. And then one of these lassoed brought close, uh, mined carefully, and returned to Earth, would have more, it, it literally is worth trillions of dollars by our standard. The Lord has like a, a just a belt of, of, of um, are you getting the idea here? There's just like an asteroid belt. Any one of those asteroids could be worth um, 30 to 100 trillion dollars. Well, just so you know, uh, about 100 trillion dollars is the worth of every economy. That's the GDP of the world for a year. About somewhere, I think, 70 to 100 trillion dollars. That's off the top of my head, so don't, like, get all nerdy if I'm off by, you know, a few. Uh, but you get the idea. One, just a random rock. This is the point of saying the, the streets are paved with gold. Do you see? The, the point is not to say gold is a good paving material. I personally don't believe that's literal. Now, I know that offends some of you, and you're like, oh, my God. It doesn't matter if it's literal or not. The point is not that gold is good paving material. It's not. It's soft. You dent it real easy. Literally, you could take your fingernail and make an impression in it. And the first time you stumble in heaven, there's going to be an imprint of your rear end in gold because it's real soft. The point is not that. The point is there's this city of God. And I don't know how to describe it. And it's like coming down and the, is that gold in the streets? Or is that jasper in the walls? The point is God has rocks that are worth more than every dollar in the world. And they're just like hanging out saying, what's up? How y'all doing? I'm good. 
me and all my money? Are you, are you trying to see how different must things look from heaven? How different must things look from God's perspective? We raise money. We need money. There's things around the church. I made a list this week uh, uh, of projects that, that we, we need to do. We need money. But the truth is, everything we really need, the Lord provides. Everything else is just nice. Do you see what I'm saying? And I like nice. I want the Lord's house to be nice, and I think you do too. Uh, but we don't need it to be like lavish because the church is people, not, not facilities. As you know, we, you've heard that for years. So um, the, the point being, <clears throat> uh, but from God's point of view, um, he includes our offering. He includes our money. But God has, God has like gravel yards. You get the whole asphalt, gold. God has gravel. He has gravel hanging out there. Any one of them could be worth more than every dollar on earth. So he's eternal. You see, he has invited this man to live as though he were a recipient of eternal life. And so to learn what that would be like, you would have to look at God, who is eternal. So what does God care about? Let me tell you what he doesn't care about. He doesn't care about billions. Why? (laughs) He's got a gravel yard hanging out. He doesn't care about, you know what he cares about? He cares about people. He loves people, souls. He is your heavenly father. He doesn't care about the stuff we would care about. So we get into these questions of value. So if God bades, Jesus bades this lawyer, go sell all you have, give to the poor. And the the man goes away sorrowful, but almost in the subtext, there is this idea, well, You were the one asking about eternal life. Do you see? This is not soteriology. This isn't a salvation plan. This isn't what everyone has to do. It is a very, in my opinion, I haven't heard it taught this way or preached this way. This is just me kind of wrestling through the scriptures here. But but this is the essence of what it would mean to have a heart that pursued the eternal because all the wealth in the world will pass away. You're the one who said you wanted eternal life. Do you see? Everything you care about is going to Everything that you think brings you happiness is temporal. Even this firmament, this beautiful creation that God just said, let there be, and boom, that happened. Even this is going to pass away. You're the one who wants to talk about eternity. So don't be shocked when I say, all right, let's do, let's talk about eternity. What's eternal? People. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, when you fulfill the greatest commandment, which is what? Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number one, somebody say number two, your neighbor as yourself. You are living eternally. You have built upon eternal values. You have 
bound yourself to eternal connections. You are preferring the eternal. And when the man walks away sorrowful, it's almost as though you can see Jesus like, I thought you wanted to talk about eternity. I didn't know it was just a game. I didn't know what you really wanted was religious status. That's a whole different thing. See, now that was good. I, did, I only got a few amens, but I'm telling you right now, that was good. And I had to give myself an amen on that one. I thought you wanted to talk about eternity, but you didn't. What you wanted to talk about was religious status. You wanted to talk about how to be a big fish in a little pond. You wanted to talk about how people, when you walk by, they go, oh my, you are just the holiest soul I have ever seen. You are a true holy man. Oh my, unworthy, unworthy. That's what you were asking about. You weren't asking about eternal life. Why would this be a little bit of a surprise to God? Because, my Lord, I wish I could preach. If that was what God wanted, he could have stayed in his throne room where all the heavenly host gathered around him all the time and said, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If what he wanted was religious status, honey, he had it. But he laid all that down. And rather than beautiful, he became homely. And rather than powerful, he became weak. And rather than dignity, he soiled his diaper. And had to have a teenage girl change him. While he sat there and went, Don't you just love babies? I just love babies. Then I want to give them back to you, but I love them. They're awesome. Um, so you want to talk about eternal life? Okay, let's talk about eternal life. What, what are you running after money for? I thought you wanted to talk about eternal life. Why do you not care about poor people? with souls. I thought you wanted to talk about eternal life, but you didn't, did you? You wanted to talk about religious status. You wanted to talk about speaking at general conference. You wanted to be the nighttime speaker on Friday night at the regional uh, church conference. You wanted to have status, and I thought we were talking about eternal life. But if if you're concerned really about seeking eternal life, you're going to have to love God, and you're going to have to love people, because that's what is eternal. Nothing here is eternal. Just the hearts, just the souls, just the people. And that's why the Bible in the Old Testament and the New places this high prestigious claim of greatest commandment upon this principle of living with an eternal mindset, loving God, loving people. Old Testament and new. It's not a new thing. It's not something Paul spun out to help the growth of the church. It's not something that John, because everyone knows how lovey-dovey he was, spun out at the end of the epistles. No, it's Old Testament and it's new. It is a hierarchy of commandment. Get this right. You may get 99 things wrong. Get this right. Live eternally. Love God. Love people. Otherwise, don't come talking about your stuff and say that is proof that God loves you. 
You could just as soon give all that away. Do you love people? Do you love God? That's the stamp of eternal life. That's living with an eternal mindset. And so Peter, what time is it? Oh, I got seven minutes. What can I do in seven minutes? Probably can praise Sister Elms through. Praise God. Um, so um, I was talking about my wife, not the bishopess, okay? <laughs> she is without fault in all regards. Don't be getting the judgment angel coming through the church. So what can we talk about now? I'm excited. Okay, so here's Peter. But Lord, we've given up everything. Okay, so let me see if I can explain this and it makes sense. Now, I can explain it, but I can't guarantee it'll make sense, okay? Um, have you ever known somebody that no matter what the subject comes up, they make it personal? Okay, let me give you an example. Thank God for the... Young lovelies here who agree in with me for a moment. Sorry for embarrassing you. So you buy a new couch. You invite your frenemy over. <laughs> your frenemy. Probably a woman thing. Men don't have frenemies. Men have enemies and friends. Women have frenemies. <laughs> you know it's the truth. You know it's the truth. Hey! Good to see you. I'd like to choke the fool out of that woman right there. You know it's the truth. It's a frenemy thing. It's a female problem. Oh, so good to see you. I wish you'd choke on them shoes. Yes. Okay, so you have a couch. You invite your frenemy over to see your couch, but they don't say to you, girl, what a fine couch. I threw the girl in there because I, I thought that would be funny, and it was. So, girl. <laughs> Sorry, hon. She, she's hiding her face. That's a bad sign. Men, when your wife hides their face, that's a bad sign. If you single guys like to write that down, that'll work for you. So, so girl, that is a beautiful cat. Now, they cannot pause on the subject of beautiful couch. That's awesome. You got a great deal on that. No, they have to personalize it. I need to get me a new couch. No matter what happens, they personalize it. Okay. So you're sick. They can't say you poor darling. You got snot coming out both sides of your nose. And what's that coming out your ears? It's nasty. They can't commiserate with you and your misery. They have to tell you a story when they were more sick. And they're like, man, one time I was sick, and I'm telling you what. I know you only have blood coming out of one nostril. I had blood coming out of both ears, both eyes, and both noses. Well, I mean both sides. You understand what I'm saying. I was much sicker than you. In fact, you shouldn't even act sick because I am the only one in the world who has ever known what true suffering is. You're just a wannabe. That's what a frenemy does for you right there. So, um, this is Peter. Is, is, is anybody talking about what the disciples have given up? No. Is Jesus talking about what the disciples have given up? No. But Peter's like, I need to get me a new couch too. <laughs> we have given up everything. Well, now, let's, let's be honest. Um, they, they've given up a lot, and they get blessed for that. Um, but um, they're... They, they're you know, um, let's put it this way. <laughs> they go back and stay at Peter's house. <laughs> Y'all didn't catch that. Obviously, uh, we had a little miss. There. 
It's kind of like it's kind of like um, who's the who's the couple in the New Testament who sell the property and they're going to give. Some of you Bible scholars help me. Thank God, at least we had some spiritual people here. Ananias and Sapphira, or Sapphira and Ananias, or Anaphirus and Sinira. <laughs> they say they're going to give it, but then they don't, right? I'm almost done. Give me three minutes. They say they're going to give it, and then they don't, right? They say they're going to give it, then they don't. The Lord said, huh-uh, 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 huh-uh. That's, uh. This, we're going to get something established right now. Don't be bumping them gums if you're not opening that wallet. And so then, and then they fall down, and it's really awkward. Lots of running and screaming, and great fear comes upon the church. So I'm not going to try to say why God did what. Uh, lots of preachers do that. I, look, God was irritated, okay, and judgment. So uh, let's say... Peter says, we've given everything. And then that night, they go stay at his house. Well, he hasn't obviously given his house. Why? You're living up in it. Don't say, oh, I'm giving my car. And then three weeks later, I see you driving to church. No. Either give it or don't give it. Well, I'm not talking about y'all. You get the idea. Okay, so they've given up a lot. That's a good thing. And for a moment, Peter is comparing himself down. There's a guy who wouldn't give all he had. You know, people say, if I had a million dollars, I'd give it. No, you wouldn't. Why? Well, you haven't struggled with that hundred dollars. It's just really beating you about the head, neck, and shoulders. Don't be talking about giving a million dollars. Thank you, sis. I needed the reminder. And so um, you get the idea. Um, so the point I'm trying to make that I'm walking all around, I can't seem to make, is Peter is focusing on what he's given up. It's like the joke when we were in college, uh, Bible school. There's always that one guy who's always talking about what he gave up to work for the Lord, and we'd always make fun of him. You know, I was the number. It'd be some guy, Kent, stumbles over himself. He's awkward. He's like, man, I was the number one draft pick, and I gave it up to serve God. You were the number one draft pick at the Boy Scouts cookie sale. Well, maybe you were. There's a, there's a few people with a great story of testimony. Gave that up. They gave that up. In fact, the last time I told this joke, tell you a funny story, we had brother Scott Graham here. He slipped in and surprised me. He was trying to check my doctrine. I had to straighten him out. No, he was just in town. And he slipped in, surprised us all. I asked him to preach. He said no. Um, I told that same thing about people saying they gave up. What's funny is he actually did have a, a ridiculously good scholarship to go to college, and he gave it up to preach. And when I drove home that night, I thought, my God, you just can't stop offending people, can you? <laughs> the one guy in the whole organization who had a tremendous scholarship to, I think, play golf or something for some college, just a crazy good, and he gave it up to preach the gospel. I have to shoot him in the foot while he's in my church. Just, just so you know, I'm staying right here. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Peter, you've given up a lot. That's fine. But let's not focus on that, Jesus says. Let's focus on this. There will be nothing you have given up that you will not be repaid a hundredfold. Nothing. Nothing that you won't be repaid a hundredfold. Whether fathers, not fathers, that's the one thing he doesn't say. Uh, why? Because God is our father and you won't have fathers. You'll have one heavenly father. But mothers, you need a mother, we will mother you up. Just wait. That's what the church is going to do. Uh, uh, whatever 
whatever you give up, it's going to be repaid back to you a hundredfold, but it's an even better deal than that. God knows what you really need. And he knows how to bless you when you really need it. And that's so amazing. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the, t- the ter- terrifying times of, 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 of my life. Whether it was my health or my wife's health or uh, when Ellery was having the surgery on her neck. You know what? I, I don't remember if I had any money at that time or not. I probably had some money. That wasn't the poor years. So I probably had some money. The poor years, I'd have been like, can you take cornflakes? <laughs> We got oodles of noodles, but those weren't the poor years. You know, we're doing good then, you know. Uh, Finally got my wife edumacated, and she's knocking down the big bucks and supporting my lazy hide. So it was great. And here we are. We have money, and we have this sick child. Let me tell you something. When you have a sick child, and you're holding them, they look up to you, and you can see the fear in their eyes, and you can feel them tremble in terror as the doctor reaches for them. You will trade every stinking grubby dollar you have and stamp on it, light it with lighter fluid, and burn it right there if it'll fix that child. You'll do it. And if you won't do it, you're not human. You're an alien or something. And you need to go get checked out by one of them dumb shows on the History Channel where there's an alien in your backyard, you know. (laughs) Whatever. You know, you know, you know, you know you will give every dollar to save that child. You will give both of your kidneys and you only have two. So, I'm quitting. I'm two minutes over. If we're going to be people of faith and say... We're going to live eternal. We're seeking eternal life. Eternal life is not about possessions. Eternal life is about loving what is eternal and living for what is eternal and organizing our hearts, our minds, our souls, our schedules, our wallets around the eternal, which if you want to sum it all up, the easiest way to sum it up is love God, love people. If you get that right, all the possessions fall in the right order. But if you miss that, you will forever, even at the end of the judgment, go away sorrowful. Because you were an eternal being who lived as though you were only going to be given three score in ten years. Is that fair? Let's all stand. Lord, thank you for your people. I pray that you would walk with them. I pray you would bless them. I pray you would keep them. I pray you would protect them. Lord, I pray you would uh, take all of us by our hands, so to speak, and lead us from a life of the temporal focus and the shallow values and the lusts of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of it all. And I pray you would let us be somehow transformed into a different mode of thinking where what we love is the eternal and we seek eternal life by looking at eternal things, not seek eternal life by looking at temporal things. I pray you'd guide us. I pray you'd lift us up. I pray you'd bless us. I pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I see, let me just finish with this. Whenever I see somebody make an intentional decision on what really matters. Don, I want to pick on you in just a minute. Fair warning, okay? So get your, get your Teflon on over there. 
when I see someone do that, I want to celebrate it. And too often we don't want to sell We don't even mention it. So Don, highly educated, highly paid corporate guy, jet sets all over the world. I used to tease him. Well, you know, he's going to be in Paris tomorrow. He's all over the world. Gets paid very good money. Sorry, I, I warned you. Very, very good money. Very good at his job. Okay? Has a few years with his son and his daughter and decides to step away from the corporate jet set flying all over and just take anything I can do right now so I can have these years with my kids. And when I get them to college, I can go back on the jet set if I need to. You see, that's, that's living. Sorry, I apologize. I know it's embarrassing to have your business put out there. But I, I know I made you look good, but it's still embarrassing to have your business put out there. What I want you to see, that is the grit. That is the guts of living eternally. Money, money's here, money's gone. You make more, have less. It comes, it goes. It's all temporal. It's all burning up anyway. But if I'm going to be a person to seek eternal life, let's talk about eternal things. Loving the people in our life. Loving the people God has put for us to minister to. Loving the church that ministers to people. And loving our creator who makes it all possible. That is seeking eternal life. Clap your hands to the Lord. All right, I'm done. Sorry, I kept you long. I kept you long Sunday too, so you have two services to be mad at me. God bless you. You can be dismissed. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. And Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.